You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 15. I just remember thinking like through each contraction, like you can do anything for 60 minutes. You can do anything for 60 minutes, for 60 <laughs> seconds. So, like you can do anything for 90 seconds, you know, however long it was lasting. I was like, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And like, just almost like the little engine I could. I was like, I can, I can, I can. Like, mm-hmm. And it really helped to kind of focus just on that. Like it was just a short period of time. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Have you subscribed to the show yet? Please be sure to do that wherever you're listening to this or over at birthmattersshow.com so you don't miss out on anything. Today, you get a two-for-one, two birth stories from one mama. Melissa has an almost three-year-old, Segovia, and a six-week-old, Adelina. She shares her first birth story, which was an unusually quick six-hour induction with no pain meds and with doula support. Then she shares her rationale for switching care providers from an OB over to working with a hospital midwife for her second baby's birth, which was an even faster four-hour unmedicated labor. I wanted to mention that we had some technical issues with the audio for this episode. You'll hear an echo on my voice at times, but we edited out or replaced most of my talking and re-recorded the things we needed to so that it would be more listenable. We couldn't fix the audio problems and clicking sounds that occurred with Melissa's voice, but I really wanted you to hear Melissa's stories. Before we get started on the birth story, today's episode is brought to you by the Birth Matters Complete Online Course. If you can't squeeze in an in-person group birth class series, or if you didn't feel like the one you took was comprehensive enough, or if you don't even have a quality class available in your area, I have the perfect solution for you. Birth Matters Complete Course is an online recorded version of my in-person full series. It covers not only prep for an amazing birth with self-advocacy tips, best current evidence, and tips for partners, but also holistic postpartum wellness, breastfeeding, and newborn care. And to top it off, you get lifetime access so that you can use it as a refresher later in this or future pregnancies. Check it out at birthmattersonline.com. Now let's get started with today's birth story. My name is Melissa, and I am just, you know, taking care of my second little one who was born almost six weeks ago. I have a one one daughter already. Her name is Segovia, who is about to turn three in a week. So we're really looking forward to that. And yeah, it's been challenging, but also very incredible all the same. So my parenting journey is is going. I think as smooth and as good as one could hope um, so far. So, I mean, there's always challenges, but right now things are are pretty good. So I'm happy about it. (laughs) So I've had two birth experiences, um, one obviously with my three-year-old and then the one with little Adelina here who was just born. Um, I found the second one, the birthing experience, to be easier ironically but the first one there were definitely you know some 
anxiety about giving birth and what to do and um, how it was going to happen and, and all of that. So with my first birth, I decided to use a doula because I just thought somebody who's been through the experience and has techniques that can help me would be a really, really helpful tool. So we used um, a woman named Dawn Torba and she is fantastic. She has two kids of her own now and um, has hasn't gone back to dueling just yet um, because of her second baby, but um, planned to and is running some support groups for, for new moms and old moms alike. So she was super helpful, as was your birth matters class. There definitely were things that I took into the birth just from memory and from reading up, you know, after the class that like really helped me get through the process because it can be scary because you never experienced it before. And like, you know, your body is doing all these crazy things to try and bring this tiny human into the world. And um, it just really helped to have people who you know, knew what they were talking about <laughs> to help me through the, the, the first round, definitely. And a lot of it stuck with me even for the second one, you know, years later. So that was really useful. With the first one, I wound up in my third trimester having cholestasis. So um, my OGYN at the time kept pushing back like the time that she wanted to induce me um, because my levels for people who don't know cholestasis is when your liver bile levels elevate and it can cause cause complications for the baby during birth so if they get too high the doctors will recommend being induced earlier than your due date so I was nervous about that I didn't really want to be induced I was hoping to kind of have more of just like that natural you know it takes shape on its own type of experience, but you know, that wasn't the destiny of first baby. So I was only induced about five days early, which is, is pretty good for somebody with that condition. So when I went in to the hospital, they told me at first that I was gonna be given Cytotech, which is a cervix ripener where they literally insert like a, um, a little pill, they call it a Tic Tac into, you know, up near the cervix so that it, it ripens and you're ready for birth. They recommended that I do that three times. And then after that, they told me I was going to start to get tocin, which after all the readings and your class and all these things, like I was really, really nervous about getting tocin and I didn't want it at all. So prior to the induction, I was very anxious and like, you know, had a few bouts of crying and was just fearful that it was just going to make it not as natural as I wanted it to be. Um, and on top of that, I was very determined not to have an epidural, just for multiple reasons, from stories that my friends have told me about just like things that have gone wrong with their epidurals, back pains, and then I also have what's called a Chiari malformation, which is a nervous system issue. And I didn't want to even take the 0.005% chance that it could mess with that. So, because they were inserted, they inserted a needle into your spinal cord, which I was like, ah, no, I, I don't think that's a good idea for somebody with you know, a nerve issue. So I did state to the hospital, to the nurses, to my doctor that I didn't want epidural. So definitely having Dawn there 
helped me get through that because it, it's painful to go through all the contractions. But um, so once I was in the hospital, they gave um, me one round of the cytotech, which they make you lay flat on your back for an hour. And then they let you get up to go to the bathroom and walk around for like two minutes. And then they let make you lay back down to start it again. They don't want it to move or shift, so um, since it's just like a little pill, so you have to basically just lie flat on your back and just stare at the ceiling, essentially. Also, I was hooked up to like, you know, the contraction monitors, and I did have an IV, so that was slightly uncomfortable. I did get the second round of the cytotech, and about midnight to the hour, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom. I felt like I needed to have a bowel movement. Mm -hmm. So, and I was begging the nurses, please let me get up, please let me get up, please let me get up. And they just like, no, you need to stay laying down. You need to stay laying down if you need to go. We'll bring you a bedpan. And I was like, no way, I have a oh. nice bedpan. So I just held it in for like as long like as possible and they let me go finally. But after that, I still felt like I really had to go to the bathroom and which, you know, I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Like, how can I still have to go? But then the monitor was showing that my contractions had started, actually. And so they were picking up. And it wasn't actually me having to go to the bathroom. It was that I was in labor. So at this point, you know, I woke my husband up. And I was like, you need to call Dawn and have her come to the hospital. So he called her. And she came to the hospital about, you know, 45 minutes later. And I never had to have the third round because I was having the contractions. And I was also very lucky that the nurse that was with me at the hospital, she was studying to be a midwife. So that was amazing. Like she was all for a natural birth and she, she kept telling me, she's like, all the other nurses are so thankful that I got you because some of them don't like dealing with like natural births. They'd rather just do the epidural. And, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's, surprising actually because mm -hmm. I don't know I just thought they would be willing to help with all of that but I guess some of them just prefer like the patients to be a little bit more calm so nurse Jackie ironically she was all for it and actually just like excited that Yay, she's like oh my gosh you don't want to have the girl she's like you want to do this naturally and I was like yes I do so she was super excited I think it was kind of helpful for her too and her journey to becoming a midwife that I fell into her lap sort of that night. So she, you know, helped me through. Unfortunately, she went on her dinner break, like when all of the contractions were happening. So I had like a substitute nurse in for an hour during this like crucial time. And also my OBGYN wasn't on call yet. She was coming in the morning thinking that the process is going to take a lot longer. So there was just a resident OBGYN there and she kept telling me, she's like, okay, well, we're still going to start the Pitocin for you at like, you know, in like an hour, you know, and I was like, but I'm having active labor, like I'm having contractions, like what do I need the Pitocin for? She was like, yeah, but you know, your chart says this. And I was like, finally, like when Dawn was there, she's like, ask her to leave the room. Let's take a minute, you know, in the short time that like you have in between contractions so we took you know a minute or two and, and she said just you know ask her to call you know your doctor and, and you know and just advocate for yourself and so you know thankfully she was there because my husband is wonderful but you know he this is also his first time doing this so he didn't really know like what to do and so so 
so they did call my, my OBGYN and she said, no, you don't have to have it. And just like a complete relief for me because I was like, this is already painful. I can't imagine like adding pitocin and making it faster and stronger, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of all of this. So after that, like we just kind of, you know, beat through all of the contractions and they started to get, you know, sh- you know, shorter in between and longer and stronger. And I actually had prepared the that switchel drink that you that you drink and we had Brian kept bringing me like refreshed bottles of it cold and I don't even know how many bottles of it I drink it must have been I, I have no clue um so much so that she had to like um put in a temporary catheter after the birth because I drank so much and I had the IV that like my bladder was just like full at the end so through that process it's hard to really remember like the intensity other than I can remember now from the second birth but I just remember thinking like through each contraction like you can do anything for 60 minutes you can do anything or 60 minutes for 60 (laughs) seconds like you can do anything for 90 seconds you know however long it was lasting I was like I was like I can do this I can do this and like just almost like the little engine I could I was like I can I can I can like Mm -hmm. and it really helped to kind of focus just on that like it was just a short period of time even though time feels very infinite in that frame of mind like that birth only from time I started feeling the contractions to when my daughter was born was only six hours but it could have been you know yeah it was really quick well I didn't even have to have the pitocin so I kind of I think started naturally Mm -hmm. anyway luckily Uh yeah it was crazy it could have felt the, it could have been you know two days I have no idea you know when you're in that zone yes. like it's like yes. it could have been five minutes it could have been you know three days like it, it just it's just this crazy time just doesn't even exist you're living in like a vortex or something so then finally after changing positions several times and um I guess I was finally ready to push and finally saw my doctor and she came in and you know prepared me to push and you know the next thing I knew my my daughter was here and so we didn't know what sex was for the first baby for Segovia and so we were anxiously awaiting that and so when she came out and actually said it's a girl like they do in the movies it was really amazing it was like such a cool feeling and like you know like all these emotions just like rush over you and you just forget about all that pain you just went through and mm. it's it's really insane how it just like stops like you're just like that pain was lasting all this time and then all of a sudden nothing you're like oh okay <laughs> here we are and you know my husband was crying and I was actually really thankful also that Dawn was there because she took pictures and like you know, that's not something he would be capable of doing in the moment. And so we have some, you know, picture reminders of just like that whole experience. So that was really, really amazing. We decided with her and with Evelina as well to, you know, let them keep the, the vernix on. Like I asked them not to wash them off or, you know, until much later. And um, most of the hospitals now are letting you do like the skin to skin for a long longer period of time which is really a good push forward I think so I kept her on me for you know however long they let me and you know they did take her to measure her and weigh her and all that but then brought her right back and um I don't know I just remember chaos nurses like collecting my things and 
shuffling me along to the next room, but like you just don't even care because you just have this little baby like laying on you that's wasn't wasn't there before, and it's just it's insane. Actually, it's just like the craziest, most amazing thing. So yeah, so that was my my first birth experience, and it was it was incredible, hard but incredible. Sure. And you were at an LIJ. You were at an LIJ. The first one I was at North Shore, Manhasset, um, which is now Northwell Health, I think. So, and then I switched for my second birth. So I actually went to Mineola to go to um, the NYU Winthrop, where she was born. Just six, it was six weeks ago. I can't remember. Can you talk a little bit about what caused you to want to switch care providers? Sure. So, because of the induction process and the Pitocin, I was told during my follow-up visit by my OBGYN at the time that if it had been my second birth, that they would have just gone straight to the Pitocin. And you know, with things like the condition I am with cholestasis, um, it's likely that you'll get a second time, which means that likely you'll have to be induced again just by the standards of the medical profession. And so I was not thrilled with that answer. And she's like, oh yeah, if you have another baby and you have this, like you'll just get Pitocin right away. And I was like, no, no, I won't. Like, I don't want that to happen. And so that was like one thing. And then in the practice that she was in, there were, there were three other doctors. And one of the doctors who I had seen prior to, and who also was doctor in the hospital the next day after Segovia was born, also kind of was telling me that I really couldn't do it without getting an epidural and that I would change my mind. And I was kind of really turned off by that. Like I just didn't like the fact that he was like, oh yeah, most first time moms, they say that. And then, and then they wind up getting epidural anyway. And I was like, but I'm not like, like I have a condition that I know it's not good for. And I've heard too many stories from friends and you know family members who have had issues with epidural that it's not something that i want I'm not saying it doesn't work for some people and probably most people i was like but for me it's not the route i want to take and and even after when he saw me the next day when the baby was here he had told me that um he's like oh how did it go he asked you know asked about it and i was like oh i didn't wind up needing the epidural and he just kind of like shrugged it off you know did everything but rolled his eyes basically and I was like yeah I think I'm kind of like finished with you guys like I don't really like this mentality so we weren't sure we were gonna have a second baby I wasn't sure I was gonna first baby so the fact that we had one um you know do you want to talk about that at all sure yeah no I think it's something that people don't talk about a lot I don't know it's like either you you do have kids or you don't have kids and a lot of people aren't comfortable with sharing like why they chose not to or why they couldn't or um, why they chose to have children and that journey was long for me like I definitely growing up you know I came from divorced parents you know I moved away from home like my I'm from St. Louis originally and I moved to New York pretty much on my own you know I developed a life here and everything has gone well for me, but 
you know, when you don't have your family here, it's like not something you think like, oh, I really gearing up to have kids with no help, you know, that's not really yeah. something that you think about. And so I just never thought that I would get married, first of all, and then I met my husband and that changed. And then it took me a long time to come around to like the idea of having kids. So we were married for six years before we even contemplated like, oh, let's try and see. And, you know, and also I'm a little bit older. I had my first daughter at 36 and I just had her at 39. So not that that's old by New Day standards, but, you know, you could have a baby 18. So it is kind of younger, some people. So it's, it is a little bit older on the spectrum of like, you know, pregnancy. So I just wasn't sure. And um, we just finally just decided like, you know, we've done a lot of things for us as a couple and career wise, we were pretty set. And so we sort of just threw caution to the wind and we're like, if it happens, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I guess we'll deal with it either way. Like as it comes, I had no plans of ever doing like IVF or any of that. Like I just was like, I'm not going to go through all that. If it's, you know, if it's for me, if, if it happens, it, it does. And, you know, obviously that's the way my life was meant to go, but it doesn't I'm not gonna pressure myself to to make it happen because you know my life was full I thought it was full anyway before children so so we got we actually got pregnant pretty quickly you know when we decided that and then it just kind of went full steam ahead and it wound up being you know the best blessing but you know I, I definitely am on board with women who decide not to for whatever their circumstances and reasons are um, I have several friends who you know, are either single or even married and have decided not to have kids. And I think that's, you know, their choice and what they want for their lives. And, you know, it actually makes them better aunties as far as I'm concerned. So like, they, like, all right, come on over and see my kids for the day. You know? so, but yeah, so that was kind of my journey as having kids. And then deciding to have a second was sort of reliant on my first daughter because, you know, Part of it is that we were a little bit older of parents and thinking about like, okay, well, when Sophia is our age, like we're going to be like in our 70s, which is hard to imagine. But like what happens if something happens to us, like she's not going to have us forever. And not saying that a sibling solves that issue always, but got to give her a chance, I guess. <laughs> so we decided like, okay, like, you know, She's pretty great. We love her. So hopefully we'll love another one if, if that's what's, you know, in our our plan here. So again, we just kind of were like, all right, if it happens, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And again, it only took like, you know, I think two months maybe for us to get pregnant. So I, I consider myself very, very lucky at this age for that to have happened. I mean, I was weary through both pregnancies that like, is this really going to be good for us? Is this really what I want? Like, you know, and there's still some days that are really hard. And I'm like, did I make the right decision? Like, I love my, my babies, but at the same time, it's like, wow, like some things are definitely much easier without kids. So I think it's just a lifelong balance of finding yourself and being a mom and your career and, you know, all of that just it takes time to come around to it. and. It's not for everybody. 
and thankfully it, it is for me even though I wasn't sure it was but it, it is you know it's just so incredible to to watch them you know grow and go through the phases and especially now that you know my little one is like telling me jokes and having full-on conversations and wants to read books all the time and sing songs and play at the park and all these things that I was like aren't you just a baby like how did this happen like how are you a human now like it's, it's really really incredible to watch those like stages and and just see her brain sort of just like transform like it feels like overnight almost but um yeah so I'm thankful that I was able to give her you know a sibling and we'll see how that all goes as time progresses I'm sure they'll have their ups and downs and um you know it's just I don't know, it's just a really cool experience and uh I'm thankful that I've gone through it you know twice and I currently don't have plans to go through it a third time um I really don't want to be pregnant after 40 and that's coming at very quickly to December so <laughs> I think this might be it for us on the the natural kids uh bandwagon <laughs> maybe there's an adoption in our future but we'll see great well why don't you jump into sharing about your second baby's birth so with this little one so I'll show you she's right here <laughs> oh she is sleeping away <laughs> this is Adelina with her, the pregnancy was a lot harder. I mean, that could be for multitudes of reasons, probably because I had a two-and-a-half-year-old running around. I also was more nauseous, full-time working, full-time two-and-a-half-year-old, being a wife, maintaining life in general. It was, it was just more exhausting through the first and second trimesters. And then my third trimester, I didn't get cholestasis, thank goodness. So I didn't have to be induced and none of that was even on the table. Yeah. I know, I'm very excited about that. And I also went to see a midwife instead of a OBGYN. So with that, it also helped me to get through it a little bit more positively, I guess, on the natural side of things. And she was very supportive through the whole thing. And, you know, I, we did want to originally have Dawn be there again for Adelina, but she recently had her own daughter and wasn't doing the doula process at the moment. So we kind of just held off and didn't really look for another doula. And my birth was fast. So it's likely that I probably, even if I had one, they wouldn't have arrived in time. So it was okay since I had had the experience of the first one. And actually NYU Winthrop has now a volunteer doula program. I didn't get to use them because my birth was so fast, but I have a friend who was there a few months before me and she did, and the experience for her was really good. Just like with the first one, it was just getting through the process and it was a little bit different in the fact that I didn't have to be induced. So with the first one, I knew I was going in to stay and she was going to be born within, you know, a day or two. And, you know, so that was there with her. I had no clue when she was coming, you know, like you have a due date and like, you know, my midwife was telling me that like, oh, you're three centimeters dilated, you're pretty much like 90% of the face for like two weeks, she told me this, she's like, you can go anytime. So like every day I'm like, today, 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 like what is this happening? Like that even to the point where I had an issue like a couple of days before she was born where like I thought my water broke because I didn't really know what that felt like other than in the hospital, the process of 
you know, everything else going on. So it didn't end up being my water breaking, but, you know, I called my midwife. She's like, go to the hospital. They'll just check to make sure that, you know, that you haven't ruptured. And then if you have, then obviously you're in labor. And if you, you haven't, then they'll send you home. And so we went and they sent me home and we went get ice cream because my mom was here watching my daughter. And I was like, oh, we're actually out. Like, let's go get ice cream. So we went and got ice cream and went home. And then two days later, I started to have, like, similar to that feeling I had when I was in Oswald that I'm like, oh, there's, like, a cramping in my stomach. Like, do I have to go to the bathroom? Do I not? Like, what's going on? And, you know, it's just slowly but not slowly. It started up, in, like, around 6 in the evening. It got more frequent and longer and stronger, I'm sorry. And... I was like, okay, I think this is actually finally happening. So I called my husband, who wasn't here at the time, called a midwife, and she's like, oh, you should get to the hospital because I've been telling you you're going to go quick. And, and I was like, oh, you know, like everybody always says it takes longer. I mean, I thought I would go fast because Segovia was six hours, but I was like, I didn't think it would be, you know, as quick as it, as it went. So from the time I felt the first contraction around six, to the time she was born, it was 10 o'clock. So it was only wow. four hours. Wow. Yeah. We didn't even get to the hospital until after eight because my husband came here, picked me up, and then we would go straight to the hospital. We, yeah, we were there after eight, like 8.15 maybe. And so I was only in the delivery room for maybe an hour and a half. That's like, a way to go. Yeah, it was pretty great. But at the same time, you feel like you're in that vortex of time. Like, it's just like, it, it was only an hour and a half, but it could have been two days. Sure. Like, that's yeah, just totally. how strong and the pain is that, like, you're like, oh, like, just get through each one, each one, each one. And I didn't have, I did have an IV or a HEP lock-in, but they didn't really use it. They were going to give me some antibiotics because I tested positive for the... GDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tested positive for that, so they tried to get me the antibiotics into my system before she was born, but they didn't have enough time, so it was so fast. So I was able to move around a lot easier than with the first one, and I actually gave birth not laying on my back, like I was hunched over, like, it's not like a yoga ball, but it's like a yoga ball, it's more like an egg shape, yes. Yeah. Peanut ball, yeah. Peanut ball, yeah. Peanut ball, yeah, the peanut one. And so, like, I was literally hunched over that, with my like face into the hospital bed on my knees and you know she came so quickly and you know all I can remember is that the, the mid saying you can look down you can look down she's coming she's coming and I was like I can't I can't I can't it was just so intense pain like my eyes were like closed and like I was squeezing my husband's hand so like intensely that I just I was like, I can't even open my eyes right now. Like, the pain is just so intense. But then when she was out, you know, obviously I was like, oh, you know, like, it, it just releases. And then, you know, then I was able to look down and see her. And, and she was basically underneath me. And it was, it was crazy. It was just like such a crazy experience. And so different from the first one. But the experience of having done it once, um, that was definitely helpful but then also just having the midwife she was literally waiting for us 
outside, like my husband pulled up in the car and she was standing outside waiting for us to come, which I was like, that's crazy. Cause like the, we didn't even show up until like, what felt like five minutes before Suobia was born. And so she was there the whole time, but yet she still tried to like give us a little bit of space where it was just us. So she could tell like when it was gonna happen. And so she was like, I'm just gonna step out of the room, you know, through these next like couple contractions. I'll be right outside. Like if you need anything, just, you know, Brian can come get me. And she was just standing out there listening to make sure that like, you know, she was there and ready for when it was time to push. And she kept coming back in and she's like, let's try this position, let's do this. So it was almost like having a doula and midwife all in one. And so, and the nurses at that hospital seemed to love her. Like they really, like I even asked a few of them afterwards. um, I was like, oh, so what's the difference between like having Melanie and then having like a typical OBGYN and and they're like, it's it's just like night and day, you know, like they were just, just, they seem to really love having that experience. And and that hospital also seems to be a little bit more natural, birth-friendly than Manhasset. So that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was just a different experience altogether. I mean, I'm thankful it's over. <laughs> it's also incredible. Like, it's hard. To, uh, it's like one of the hardest things to ever The hardest thing probably I'll ever do. But, like... But then you discovered those superpowers, right? Exactly. But I'm glad that I did it to know that, like, oh, you know, millions and millions and billions of women, you know, have done this, you know, for centuries. And I'm glad that I was able to experience, like, what other women have, you know, done, basically, to, to keep us afloat, <laughs> keep the women <laughs> populated. <laughs> it was much better, I guess, than I anticipated, even though it was extremely difficult. You were comparing the midwife to the OB in labor. Did you see differences in the care you received between the two care providers prenatally? Um, A little bit. I wouldn't say too much. She wasn't like very pushy about anything like, you know, like the the testing and all of that. And like, she was definitely more open about like, oh, you don't really have to have this test. You don't want to have it. Like, you know, like just, I don't even remember what it was, but like, all the things like you when I went to the UN, she's like, Oh, you have to have this and you have to do this and this and this and this. And it wasn't like that with Melanie, it was more like she was more like, Yeah, well, this one, like they require us to do, but these, like, it's up to you if you want to have the genetic testing, you can have it. If you don't want to have it, you don't have to have it. And I always thought, like, over 35, like, you have to have that test, like, to see if like, the babies have Down syndrome or you know, any of that. And, that's actually not true. Like I could have opted out of that. Um, I chose to do it on my own account because that's one more blood test. And I actually work with kids with special needs. So I was just curious if that was coming my way. But yeah, I really thought it was something that was just required, you know, by like the state or I don't know, mm-hmm. law or something. And, and it's not like it's something they, they tell you it is, but it's, it's not actually. That is such a great observation. I hadn't heard it phrased that way before, but it really resonates that with a lot of OBs, things both prenatally and in labor can come across as mandates versus when we get either a more flexible OB or really get good midwifery care, that we often feel like we have options in the way things are communicated. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. And and I don't know, she just was also just much more 
positive, I guess, about the natural state of being. She's like, whatever you want. And, you know, I obviously had concerns about the cholestasis like early on before it ever would have happened. But, you know, I was like, if I do wind up getting it and, you know, I have to be induced, do I have to get the toasin right away? You know, because that's what the OBGYN said. And she's like, no, she's like, there's so many other things we can do first. She's like, I wouldn't push that on you. She's like, you know, we can do all sorts of different things prior to having to, you know, resort to that if necessary. So, you know, that was very reassuring in the very beginning. Like, it's part of the reason I chose, like, all right, I'm going down this path, you know. Part of the reason I chose it to begin with. It just, it was just a very nice experience. I don't know. I would recommend it. I liked the aspect for me that, like, she's a midwife who practices mostly in the hospital. Because my husband just wasn't really comfortable with, like, a home birth. And, and as much as I would have considered it, I'm also a little... I don't want to say I'm OCD, but I'm very type A. <laughs> so, like, having to plan that out and have all of that set up and ready to go was a little overwhelming to me. So I liked that she did mostly in a hospital. I'm sure if, you know, something were to have happened, she would have come to my house if, it, you know, the baby would have come before she was ready. But I liked that aspect for myself. But I'm definitely glad I went with midwife either way, like on the second round. Um, you know, I kind of wish I would have, done on the first round but you know at the time I just didn't really like have a clear idea of who to use where to go you know like um yeah why would you so many of us don't have any clue about how great the midwifery model of care is until it's pretty late in our first pregnancy if not later I often feel that when I teach about the midwifery model of care in class, it's teaching more to a second birth than a first, since most of the time folks are coming to class pretty late in pregnancy when it's harder to switch care providers yeah, I would definitely recommend that for future birthing moms or pregnant moms or even women who are considering getting pregnant. Actually, that's probably even a, a better time to, to find out is if, you know, before you're pregnant, because once you are, you're just kind of in this like roller coaster of like, okay, here we go. You know, you can't get off the ride like once it's actually there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy with that decision for the second one. I would recommend sending friends to, to Melanie if, you know, if they want to go there or other you know, women who are interested in using a midwife but also want to use the, the hospital route, like I would definitely like recommend going to her or somebody like her. Do you want to share anything about your postpartum journeys? The first round, I definitely remember it being a longer recovery. I was thankful to some friends who sent me like a donut to sit on because I didn't know you needed one of those. And I, because I had stitches, the first one I tore a little bit, the recovery was a little bit longer. I remember like thinking like, wow, I didn't realize that you were going to bleed for this long or that, that your hormones are just, woo, especially the first like month or so. Like it's just, like up and down and up and down. I remember crying a lot, but like, well, for happy and sad reasons. <laughs> yeah. I expected it with this one, so that was a little bit different. So I was actually like, oh, no, this is happening. But the first one, it's like, woo, like a big whirlwind. The other difference, I think, between the first one and Elena is that although I didn't tear with her, so the recovery process seems to have gone a lot easier mm -hmm. for me, that the cramping during, like, breastfeeding the um, was a lot more with the second one than with the first. Yep. But I also struggled a lot with breastfeeding with my first daughter, and this one I'm seeming to do a lot better. I just I didn't use 
a lactation consultant other than the ones in the hospital on either birth. Uh, I wish I had on a first, and I planned to with her, but things have been going well without, and then also just with the help of other friends who have gone through the process and just being a little bit more relaxed about it, I think also helps. But that's actually, I would say, the hardest part, honestly. Like, the pregnancy is hard, but breastfeeding is, it's challenging. Like, it is not for everybody or e- easy going. It, especially in the beginning, it's just all consuming. Like, I feel like all she does is eat, 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 eat. Like, yeah. I'm lucky yeah. to be able to sit here for an hour and talk to you because only because she's wrapped up next to me asleep. But the second we're done and I take her out, she, we're going to have to go back to feeding again and so yeah that is just that I would say is the hardest part I think that there needs to be a lot more talk about it I mean I think it's getting better I think that like definitely even in hospitals like they they have people come and talk to you and they offer you know like little seminars and whatnot but I think the harder part is being home and so I think there just needs to be more availability especially for I want to say like lower income moms because a lot of them you have to pay out of pocket and finding one that your insurance does take is like nearly impossible I actually found one and then she wasn't available and so that's why I didn't get them to come this time around even though she told me she'd all be available you know during those weeks and then when I finally contacted her she's like I've had a family emergency I can't come and and I was like I just don't have the energy to like do all this crazy research to find another one to take my insurance. And sure. So sure. I just was like, let me just try and get through this and do my best to, to see if it works out for me. And and I'm also just more relaxed. That like, if it doesn't, then, you know, I know what worked with my first daughter and we did wind up supplementing with her a lot and she turned out just fine. So, <laughs> you know, I, there were moments of, you know, doubt and, whether or not like I was capable and you know all of those kinds of feelings that come with it but on this round I definitely with it in the postpartum I'm more confident I guess and more comfortable with like oh okay like it is okay if like she needs like one bottle of formula tonight so that I can you know take a nap or like no I'm not like beating myself up about it as much as I did the first time around so Mm -hmm. um yeah, so that's been good. A nice change from, you know, that first round of, like, uncertainty to to now being like, all right, I know we're going to get through this, you know, we just have to push through and keep feeding and, you know, here we go, so, yeah. yeah. Do you have any final parenting tips, especially for anyone who might have more than one at some point? I have found that, like, giving a first child some one-on-one attention has not only been helpful for her, but also it's been helpful for me too, because right before the second one was born, I was you know, a little anxious about like, missing out on that one-on-one time with my first daughter and, and also worried that this one would never get to experience that, you know, because she's the second one and she'll have always had her sister, you know, so trying to balance time together, but also time one-on-one with my first daughter, one-on-one with the baby, and then also just my own time and time with my husband. Like, that that's very challenging, and I think six weeks in, we're still figuring it out. I know that it's important 
kind of address all of those parts and aspects of our life. So we continue to try and um, I've taken Segovia out, you know, once or twice, just me and her since the baby's been born and, you know, I left the baby with my husband and it's been good. So I think we're going about it correctly or not correct me that's the wrong word but in a way that works no such us, thing um, <laughs> that's the wrong word but i know what you mean in a healthy way a healthy approach yeah, we're trying we're trying and there's definitely moments where you know like i get frustrated at my almost three-year-old and uh you know i definitely have to step away or you know take a break even if it's in the bathroom <laughs> yeah, <right>. um just <laughs> It's, you know, she, she has a lot of needs that, you know, and some of them aren't being met, you know, just for the pure sake that there's a baby. And so I have to keep telling myself that's okay. You know, she's going to, she's going to be fine. And one thing I have to say that, I mean, that this isn't for every mom of two, but having her still go to her daycare that she goes to during the day is like a godsend. It's um just like having the time with a baby by myself and then also like her getting that socialization time yeah. and the structure. Yeah. I'm just thankful that we decided not to like keep her home because now I feel like this one, um, Adelina is getting more of that mom time yeah. than she would have been able yeah. to had Zovia been here every day like nipping at my feet wanting to do you know all of her three-year-old things so at least we get some hours during the day just us and and that i would say is a definitely some words of advice even if you don't send them to like full-time daycare like maybe a day or two a week of a babysitter or, you know something so that you have some bonding time with the next child or even i mean can't imagine a third or fourth but yeah with a second like having that time is important so that was about it I guess that's great (laughs) I think there's so much wisdom in that making it a priority to get alone time with each person in your family so thank you for sharing that well thank you so much for taking the time to chat this has been wonderful and congratulations again on your second daughter's birth thank you very much and uh yeah thank you for all of your wisdom and help it definitely was was great so thank you So that's Melissa's two birth stories. I'll comment briefly on four things Melissa mentioned. Cholestasis, the labor drink switchel, switching care providers, and a mental strategy of mini goals as a golden one for labor. In case you want to learn more about cholestasis, I've linked to information about the condition in the show notes for episode 15 at birthmattersshow.com. Cholestasis affects only around 1 to 2 in 1,000 pregnant women in the United States, or less than 1%, but it's more common in Latino women. In the Latina population, about 5% develop the condition. The labor drink Melissa mentioned loving, called Switchel, is known as nature's Gatorade, or a great labor aid, so to speak. It's super simple to make and is made of simple ingredients, ginger, apple cider vinegar, maple syrup, and water. I'll paste the recipe for it in this episode's show notes, again, at birthmattersshow.com. Also, I wanted to mention that it's almost never too late to switch care providers if you start to feel like you're not aligned with one who's a good fit for you and the kind of birth that you'd like to have. I can't speak for all locations, but I know this is true here in New York City. The options do significantly diminish in the third trimester, but there are options. This is something your childbirth educator or doula can help provide some referrals and guidance on. 
Finally, I wanted to emphasize how great a strategy Melissa mentioned and used can be for labor. A lot of people call labor a marathon of indeterminate length. While this might not sound like a very encouraging thing, I think it's really important to think of it this way strategically. The encouraging thing is that your body has the innate ability to do this hard work of giving birth without vigorous training. The kind of training that is most helpful is more gentle body work and mostly mindset preparation. Anyway, along the strategic lines, Melissa mentioned, I can do anything for 60 seconds. One thing I recommend is for labor support to keep the mini goals strategy in their back pocket. Many of us hit a wall, one that's psychological, but then due to the huge mind-body connection can feel very physical at some point in what tends to be a long first labor. If that happens, it's incredibly helpful to have our labor support break it down for us. Encourage her by saying something like, let's just get through the next five contractions. Don't start at one because you need room for negotiation. If you just say one, there's nowhere to go from there if she feels like that's too much. Many people use this kind of strategy in a challenging workout or in an endurance athletic event, and this strategic tool can be all the more useful when no one knows how long you have to do this and where the finish line is. Okay, here's a little bit of what we have for you next week. Have you seen the the show Stranger Things? Yes. Yep. Okay. So in this show, there's the upside down. It's like this alternate universe. Mm -hmm. And when I was, now I know I was in the transition phase, I kept saying, I'm in the upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. it, It felt like I was losing consciousness. One phrase I'll leave with you today. When you're in labor, at times if you're struggling, just tell yourself, I can do anything for 60 seconds. See you next week and be well.